Good morning. At the end of this lesson, we're going to give you an opportunity. Jeremy is going to get back up here, and it's going to lead a song. We often call that a song of invitation or a song of encouragement. It is a custom that we do that is, I guess, inspired or influenced by the fact that when the gospel is preached, we want to give people the opportunity, if they need to, to make some kind of a public response. Sometimes there's a call for a response to be public. If we hurt the name of Christ in some public way as a child of God, if we're not living in a way that shines that light in a way that causes reproach on the name of God, we have the opportunity to make that right in a public way. If you're a child of God who has that need or needs to pray and have us pray with you for something that's going on, you'll have that opportunity at the end or the conclusion of this lesson. It's also an opportunity for those who have maybe been thinking about the decision to become a Christian. Maybe you realize that Jesus died for your sins. You have maybe been studying with someone. Maybe in response to that great grace, you realize that you need to act on your faith in the way they did in Bible times. To repent of sins and to be baptized to have those sins washed away. We would love to help you. So I want you to keep that in mind as we draw this lesson to a close and as we stand and sing together, that if that's a need you have, we want to help you. We talk about the ability of God. God can do anything that's in accordance with His will, but I promise you that there's nothing that He wills or wants more than that all of us stand on His Son's right hand on the day of judgment. been preaching since 1992, and... uh, most Sundays when we're going to church, we try to think of songs, or I do, think of songs that go with the lesson. It doesn't bother me that I don't know most of the lyrics, but we'll start that song boldly and try to sing songs that are in conjunction with the lesson. There are several that go with today's lesson, though I would say it's an unusual sermon. My dad preached full-time for over 50 years. He would often have what he would call fireside chats. Those of you who are old enough remember Franklin Delano Roosevelt had those uh, annual addresses or frequent addresses in which he just spoke heart to heart with the people. And he tried to communicate to them whatever was important that was on the agenda that was looming. And I really appreciated those lessons. I suppose that today's is in some way a little unusual from the lessons that we normally preach in that it's a kind of a fireside chat We have a lot of great works, and I appreciate Daryl saying that. So many things that loom around the bend beyond what's about to happen this Thursday. But I want to suggest to you that since I began preaching in 1992, I have never been involved with an event or a work that has gotten more support and more help than the equipped workshop that's coming up. You know, when I think about the different ways that we can quantify the work that's been done, I think about the fact that there's all the man hours that have gone into that with regard to the elders and the vision group leaders and all the prayer and all of the uh, encouragement that that has been given from this pulpit publicly more times I know than you can count. They have reflected their desire that this be something that encourage and feed us like nothing that we have done before. And I appreciate that. 
There have also been a great many of you who have volunteered. We had volunteer sheets that were sitting outside on top of the table for several weeks and dozens of you have filled those out. And by the way, we told you as that time got closer that we would have that more concrete. The concrete's out here in the multipurpose room. They're sheets. We would encourage you. There are several of you that have already determined in your mind that you're going to help us with things like parking, our folks that are coming. You're going to help with security, perhaps. You're going to help with putting out and and placing chairs as needed. You're going to find yourself greeting and registering. You're going to help in the variety of ways that we've outlined. There are several men in this auditorium who are going to do something that maybe you haven't done in years. You're going to babysit for the ladies' sessions that happened during this, this uh, workshop. You've done so much. There have been so many members who have already done a lot of those preliminary tasks that we have not uh, uh, said enough about. Eli Watson has created a website called LehmanEquip.com where you can go and register if you hadn't done that yet. There are also those like Brenda Dugan who have decorated that bulletin board. There have been the ladies that put together the mail out, 1,400 individual pieces of mail that Holly and Hillary and Brittany have uh, done for us. And there's so many more on top of that. Rick and all the work that he's done on the outside of this building, you are demonstrating so much enthusiasm. And it's because of this in part that I'm so excited about the fact that Thursday night's coming and it's all going to come in culmination of all that we've been working on. But I want to be honest with you. The fact that you have done all of this and stand ready to do so much more is only one reason, and it's not the main reason why I'm so excited for Thursday night to get here. The reason why I'm so excited is because God is involved. We're talking about the creator of the world, the one who made the human soul, The one who engineered from eternity his eternal plan of salvation. The one who sustains all things by the word of his power. And the one who is going to bring it all to an end. He is involved in what's going to take place. You know, it's an exciting thing to think about what happens when God gets involved. Man, if we had the opportunity, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could sit down and interview Joshua and ask him about what happens when God got involved at Jericho? Or to sit down with Gideon, the nervous one, the scared one, the intimidated one, and say, hey, what was it like against the Midianites when God got involved? David, what was it like when God got involved with Goliath? Elijah, what was it like? When God got involved with over 400 prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel? Hey, what was it like, Nehemiah, when God got involved and there was this huge wall project that had to take place? Apostles, early Christians, what was it like when God got involved in turning the whole world upside down? It is absolutely exciting to think about what takes place when God gets involved. What happens When God gets involved, listen, we're talking very specifically about an event throughout much of this lesson. But I hope and I know that you will extrapolate this, that you'll apply this beyond just one event. Because the same God that we're relying on this week is the same God we need in our lives. He's the same God that can do what it is that we could not imagine apart from Him. Will you look with me for a few moments? There's an amen. I hadn't heard one of those, so I appreciate that. 
What's going to happen when God gets involved? I'm going to mention four things and the lesson is yours. First of all, when God gets involved, nothing is impossible. When God gets involved, there is nothing that is impossible. You know, God has been doing since the creation of the world things that have been impossible for humanity. From the time that he started it all. Do you remember the time that God went up to two almost 100 year old people and told them that they biologically were going to have a baby by that same time the next year? And God says in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? What about when God spoke to Jeremiah's prophet and he told them that the land that he had given especially to his people that he was going to take away from them? It was in that very dark context that he says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Jeremiah 32 and verse 27. Remember when Jesus, the Son of God, is standing before his disciples and he says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And he says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Matthew 19 and verse 26. Or what about when the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to a virgin and says that she was going to bear the Savior of the world, the eternal Son of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says in Luke 1 and verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. The God that opens the womb of a 99-year-old woman, the God who takes Israel out of Egypt and into Babylon, the God who saves the rich man, And the God who brings the Savior through the virgin is the God that we are appealing to. Isn't it exciting to think about the idea that we have God to help us, or maybe the better way to say it is, is that we get to help God. You know, what he says in Mark 9 and verse 23 is that nothing is impossible to him who believes. And why is nothing impossible? You know, let me just walk you through through a few things that have happened leading up to this. There have been uh, television spots that have been recorded down at NBC. There has been a promotion by dozens of you at Lads to Leaders and at CYC. 1,400 pieces of mail that have been mailed all over the region. There have been several of you that have invited friends and co-workers And that's just some of the things that I know about. You've been blasting it on social media for months over and over again. If we are convinced that this is something that honors God and that glorifies God and it helps to accomplish His will, we need to be very careful about putting limits and ceilings on that. The God that we serve is able to do the impossible. I realize that He works with free will. And that every one of us is going to make decisions about where we're going to be and what we're going to do with regard to this and so does everybody else that we invite. But what's going to happen in the days and the years to come through this? Listen, what we need to remember is that with God, nothing is impossible. When God is involved, nothing is impossible. That's an assurance that we have. But then number two, when God is involved, He can do more than we ask or imagine. You know, when we look at the book of Ephesians, we see the God of all power as he is presented to us. I want you to think about Homer in the Iliad used a word. And the language the New Testament was written in is from the Greek. And so the Greek was a living language and words changed in their meaning over time. 
There was a word that he used to describe spear-throwing contests. And the one who outdid his opponent was said to cast it beyond, to throw it further. That's our word, a word that's found five times in our New Testament. Two times it's used in 2 Corinthians, and three times it is used in the book of Ephesians. And that word is translated, depending on your translation, surpass. The word surpass means to outdo. It means to exceed expectation. It means to go beyond. And every time that word is used, it is used to describe the the work that God is doing in our lives. You know, maybe the question is asked, how many people do you expect are going to be here for equipped? I've heard that one several times. We could point to certain data points. David has been doing a great job of keeping up with that. And what I understand is that there are 350 people who have pre-registered from 10 states and from the uh, country of Fiji in addition to uh, our folks in the area. And what we know is there are going to be a lot of folks that don't register. Have you registered and you're planning to come? There's going to be a lot of folks all around the area like that. When we consider those facts, that's just part of the story. In this event that we are doing, we are calling upon a God who goes far beyond. And the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to miss that. And so he uses that word three times to remind us about who our God is. Our God is a God who has surpassing power. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 19. It's a power that goes beyond. And it's a word that Paul likes to use in this epistle to the Ephesians. It is a power, he says, that is working in the children of God. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21. It is a power that's greater than any power that exists or any power that could exist. Ephesians 3 and verse 7. It is a power that's at work in us. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. It is a power that is far beyond that's at work in the lives of his people. In Ephesians 3 and verse 16. It is a power that strengthens the inner man through the Spirit of God. This is the power that we're calling upon and asking God to demonstrate and to give to us through this event that's coming about. But also our God is a God of surpassing riches. Of surpassing riches. It's a word that you'll find in the book of Ephesians. God who is rich in His mercy. When you think about that word rich, as it's used in Ephesians, it means to have a surplus that goes well beyond the norm. Okay, so as we think about that word, let me illustrate it for you in this way. The bottom 99% of all wage earners in the United States combined together make an average of $50,000 a year. But the top 1% of all people in the United States make 26.3 times that. When you take that top 1% and you average it all together, it averages out to $1.3 million a year. Those folks in that 1%, they have wage earning. They have a, a net worth that's far beyond. It's riches that surpass the norm. But Now let's take that to the spiritual realm. If you are among those who are in the family of God, who have responded favorably to God's great invitation to become His child, then God has given to you His riches that those outside of Him do not enjoy. 
Now we can walk through the book of Ephesians and we can see all of those riches as they're lined out for us, but it all amounts to God's grace and God's forgiveness. And if you had all the riches of this world, what would you pay to have your eternal punishment wiped off of your record? And so that's what the Apostle Paul is saying is God gives you. He is a God of surpassing riches. And that's the God that we're calling on for this event. We also see that he is a God of surpassing love in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. You know, Paul prays two prayers in the first half of Ephesians. It's very unusual. It's unique in the epistles of Paul. And as Paul is praying this second prayer to them at the end of that first section, the subject is all about love. And the Apostle Paul wants to make sure that we don't lose sight of the fact of the great love that God has for us. And so he gives us all the things that his love causes him to do in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 through 20. And then he gives us these particular ways to illustrate that. When he talks about his love, he says it roots you and it grounds you. So he uses two different illustrations. One is of the fertile soil that when a plant is put in there or the seeds, it takes root in that good soil and it grows up. And then it grounds you the ideas of a foundation that we can build on that. That's what the love of God causes is all the growth and and all that's good that happens spiritually. And then there's the ways he describes it. It's its breadth and its length and its height and its depth. It is broad enough that it reaches to people of every nation, those like us and those unlike us. It's long enough that it will last to the very end of time. It's high enough that it reaches the very throne of God. And it's low enough that it reaches down to every depraved sinner who will turn from that sin and turn toward God. That's His surpassing love. And then there's the idea that this love is that which is beyond our comprehension. We can sing about it. We can study about it we can hear about it but we'll never fully understand it and yet it's complete even though we'll never fully understand on this side of time why God loves us so much we know that he does and as the result of that we look at the God that we are asking to help us in this and he is a God who is able to do far more than we ask or imagine because he is a God who goes beyond But then third, because God is involved, we realize that it's going to be good. Now maybe that's a little bit basic way to say this, but in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we understand something about this idea of goodness. Maybe it's a little hard for you to get a grasp of what equipped is going to be like. Maybe you've never attended anything like this, much less have hosted something like this. So it's a tall order that we're asking you, but I promise you it's going to be good. It's going to be good because there's going to be good fellowship. I believe that if you come and you're here and you're present, that you're going to have more friends, spiritually speaking, than you did when it all began. You're going to be able to have fellowship with like-minded individuals from near and far who come for the same express purpose that you're coming. It's going to be good because there's going to be good teaching. Some of the best teachers and and preachers that we could find, we have asked and they have said that they're going to come. It's going to be good for that. It's going to be good because it's going to serve a good purpose in your life. I wouldn't be surprised if there's not some laughing that takes place and there's maybe some crying that takes place and a lot of conviction that will take place. But you see, most of all, I know it's going to be good 
Because God's involved. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You're rolling up your sleeves. You're doing what you can in order to make this the very best that it can be. But when you've done everything that you can do, God's going to take your efforts, the things that we've done, He's going to cause it to work together for good. This is according to His purpose, and so we know it's going to be good. Paul uses that word a lot in Romans. He says, glory and honor and peace to them that do good. Romans 2 and verse 10. He says, if you do what's pleasing in the sight of government... He says, you'll receive good of the same. Romans 13 and verse 3. Let every man please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Romans chapter 15 and verse 2. Don't be babies in doing what is good. Romans 16 and verse 19. Paul also talks about the struggle that we have in doing good and being good. But overall, he brings it all together in the heart of that letter, in that assurance that he gives us by saying that when God is involved and his providence is at play, the things that we wonder about and the things that we worry about, God says, I've got this, I'll take all that you've done, and I'm going to make it good. How could it not be? When we think about what Isaiah says, Isaiah says that like when God sends the rain and the snow from heaven, it does not come back to him without causing the the, the ground to, to sprout and grow and to replenish the earth. He says, so is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me empty, but it will accomplish the purpose whereunto I sent it. I'm excited about this week because when God's involved, we know that it'll be good. Let me say one other thing about this, and that is that when God's involved, we also see that he'll be with us. Those same questions that are asked, we might ask with a note or a tone of anxiety and concern. It may be that we ask, well, how many are attending equipped? Will it be too many? Will it be too few? Hey, what if there are things that pop up that we haven't planned for? We've, done, we've mapped out every scenario we can, but there's going to be something. And what's going to happen then? What if we fall flat on our face? What if, what if this really, really... It... But then I look at what Jesus says, and I'm given a great assurance. This the thing that Jesus said before he stepped on the cloud to go back to heaven after his resurrection as he's about to ascend. He says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. What if there's going to be technical difficulties? Behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. What if we have problems parking people? Behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. What if we have problems getting speakers here? And there's problems logistically. We already faced a couple of those. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The things we can't even think to ask, He will be with us. Again, if we're convinced that what we're trying to do in this event is to glorify Him and to honor Him and to make this about shining His light, think about what this event is supposed to do. It is supposed to equip us in order to be the best servants of God that we can be. It is supposed to expose people who maybe have not heard the gospel to the word of God. It is to encourage us in living the Christian life. It's to empower us to find our place in the kingdom of God and to do what we can 
to fill that role. And when you step in this door, you're doing this in such a way to know that you're not alone because God is with you. You know, I could say this, but I haven't until now. When you're here throughout this weekend, you're going to be supporting two of our teenage young men, three of our preachers, and two of our preacher's wives. You're also going to be throwing your verbal and physical support behind the shepherding and the leadership of this eldership who has gotten out in front of us and said, this is where we want you to go and this is how we want to encourage and to help you. You're going to be blessing your life and the life of your family. You're going to be helping to connect people to Christ, maybe those who have never been connected to Him before. You're going to be serving hospitably so as to be able to be a good host for the folks who come from near and far. But most of all, you're going to be supporting the promotion of God's Word. It was heart-rending, really. Jack Hoffman, I don't know if you remember this, it's been about 10 years ago, it's hard to believe. Jack Hoffman and his family were diehard Nebraska people. And so the head coach at the time, Bo Pelini, extended an invitation to the spring game to Jack Hoffman. Seven years old, stage four brain cancer. And so the iconic moment happened in the midst of that game when little Jack trots onto the field in his full uniform and they hand the ball off to him. And he runs down the field and and of course you, you know if you're watching that that there are a few missed tackles on that play and he has a, a, a lineman that gets out in front of him and is the lead blocker and he goes all the way down, 69 yards. And if you ca- cut your volume on, you can hear the stadium going crazy. And then both benches, both sides come and they surround that little boy. Did you know for that little moment that just took a few seconds that little Jack Hoffman won an ESPY? Not only that, he got to meet the president. Hey, you know what? I know what you're thinking. Jack Hoffman's still alive. He beat that cancer. Did you know that he is a junior on the varsity football team in Atkinson, Nebraska? He helped to warm the hearts and melt the hearts of a nation all because one head coach got involved and made it happen. You know what? Lehman is one, in in any way you want to say that mostly, small congregation in a world full of people. You are just one small individual in almost eight billion. What can you do? What can we do? It makes all the difference when our God, who is unlimited, gets involved. I'm excited. I hope you are too. I hope that we'll do all that we can to create not a fire code problem, but a logistics problem (laughs) to where we have this place as full as it legally can be. But in your life, maybe you feel overwhelmed and overmatched. And you don't feel like that living the Christian life is a possibility for you. By yourself, you're right. But with God's help, nothing is impossible. He can do more than we ask or imagine. And He makes it good because of His involvement. And He's going to be with you as you try to live that life. Maybe this is your invitation. Maybe you need to respond to it. If so, we would encourage you, we would invite you, we'll be waiting for you. As together we stand and sing.